All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 through 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down and asked favor for them. The sons of Zebedee, otherwise known as the sons of thunder, were James and John to the 12 apostles. Jesus says, what is it you want? He asked. I don't think he said it like that. I think he said, what is it that you want? She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other may sit on your left in the kingdom. Jesus replied, you don't know what you're asking. (laughs) Amen to that. Jesus said to them, can you drink from the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. How many know God's calling you to something the neighbor isn't? The neighbor can tell you what you should do, but God's going to be the one who promotes you in the end because it's all prepared by him. So we don't have to worry about what they have. I, I, I want what God has for me. Verse 24, when the 10 heard about this, this is the other 10 out of the 12, they were indignant with the two others. This is frustrated, aggravated, making small talk about it. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, you know that rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as a son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How many know what a ransom is? It means my life paid the price for yours. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice this thing so you can have life and have it abundantly. My title today is, with improper grammar, with intention, fighting or fussing? Are you fighting or fussing? As you take your seats this morning, find four people, high-five them, tell them, you better be at that barbecue. Four people, you better be at the barbecue. We got a lot of hot dogs, and the Gwaltneys don't want them. The Gwaltneys don't want the leftover hot dogs this year. Hey, kids, we got 70 leftover dogs. How many want dogs for the next six months? Not I. Not I. Hey, the AC's off now. Good, it was loud. It was running, but it wasn't cooling. So we just turned that bad boy off. Sometimes you just got to cut it. You know what I'm saying? Well, we just got back from a little beach trip. And if you notice, I look a little golden. Thank you. I usually just burn and flake off and turn white again. But this year, I got actual tan for a moment. And uh, it was by accident. And the funniest parts of, like, doing anything with the family is the stuff you, you, you hear in the small talk, the one-liners. That's where the memories are at. Like, the places are cool and the big things are cool, but the small talk is what you remember. And my son, Colton, he has the best one-liners. There's a reason we call him Taz. Okay, how many know Taz? Okay, okay. Um, I want to preface, I want to show you, before I show you this video, just hold, hold the trigger there, Gabe. Before I show this video, anybody with small children might want to plug their ears There is a lightning strike in this video that may send your kids into the screaming fit that my daughter did in the video and shall do again if she hears that that thing go off. So, Camilla, are you ready? 
So I want to show you this video, and it felt like, I don't know if this is appropriate for church, and that's when God said, that's why you got to show it, you know. When if it's controversial, you got to show it. Who wants to see, maybe we shouldn't show it. It's probably too much for them. Maybe, who wants to see the video? Wow, this is like reality TV. I told you, Michelle. <laughs> so we were, at, we we're at the Gulf Shores, and we're, we're winding into the last few days of the trip, and there's rain. And everybody's like, it's raining, but the trees are sideways. I'm like, this is not like the rain in Missouri. <laughs> this looks like, I think, what they call a tropical storm. And, like, little kids were flying by, and there was kittens and cats, and they're the devil anyway. So I said, good riddance. And furniture was flying, and we had this, this tent we paid for to be, I know, we're snobs. We had this tent set up for us because I was too lazy, and there was a lot of us. So they set up this tent every morning. It's really cool. And they, they take it down each night because you can have tents on the beach at night and, and all this stuff. And they happen to be breaking down this tent is a canopy like for a barbecue in in this storm. And so the good heart of Colton thought, you know, how can I save these people? No, he said, let me grab my tablet while I watch these people drown a miserable death in the ocean as the wind takes them away with this tent. So <laughs> we're out there freaking out about these people, and Colton grabs his tablet, and he happens to get this clip on video so warning, caution, hold your ears if you don't want to hear lightning go off. But I'm not telling you to listen to the lightning. I'm telling you to listen to what comes out of this little guy's hole in his face. Go ahead, Gabe. Holy smacks. Oh, oh, that's not a good. Yeah, oh, oh, shit! Ah! That was so close. Can we that play was, that one more time? I think play I it one more time. I know, it's Colton, Colton language. Oh, oh, that's not a good yeah, What are y'all thinking? That's a good game. He said, ocean, ocean, the water, ocean. Now, it took about 80 times listening and on several different speaker systems, but the kid really did say, ocean. And we, you know, we're holy people. We don't have that stuff in our house ever. And so, and so we said, I said, what did you say? And I rebuked him like Peter right on the spot. And he said, Dad, I didn't do it. Make sure you tell him I said ocean. So to his defense, he said ocean. But we were, we were yelling ocean the rest of the trip home. Every time somebody, someone cut me off in traffic, Don, I was saying ocean. Ocean. Serious. We're talking about the beach. We want to go back. Y'all need to clean your minds. But that's a Coltonism. We thought that'd get a laugh because it was funny. And did you hear that lightning? And you see that actual, forget about the, the, the ocean part. Did you see the people out there? It was scary. We're from Missouri. This was scary. We survived, we survived though. Another one he said once is uh, he'll ask for some V-Bucks, and I'll say, Colton, money doesn't grow on trees. He said, well, actually, Dad, <laughs> yeah, it does. Because Colton, because uh, money comes from paper, and paper comes from tree, tree bark. I said, oh, my gosh, it does come from trees. And I felt really dumb. As a 40-something-year-old, my son just told me money grew on trees because it comes from trees. And so that was a funny one. And then just a couple months ago, and this is, like, really what I'm sharing today. The others was just food for fodder to, to, uh, to soften y'all with some funniness, is one time we're in the car, 
And, you know, there's five of us, and every time there's five of us, it's a lot of chaos. I have to sometimes put on AirPods or airport headphones if I'm working at home because it's just like everybody says dad at once or everybody's fighting at once or everybody's fussing at once. And so one day we're in the car and we're driving to Target or something, probably doing a pickup, and it's just me and maybe one other sibling. And he's like, you know, dad, let me, let me talk how he sounds. You know, dad. He's, he's 10. He's got a really deep voice. You know, Dad, this is better because when we're all together, someone's always just fighting or fussing. They're just, he never uses the G on the end of the words. He's like Huckleberry Finn. You know, we're always just fighting or fussing, like Tom Sawyer or something. And I said, you know, you know you're right, buddy. Um, when we're all together, there's a lot of fighting or fussing. But when we're one-on-one, -on -one, there's a lot more like uh, good time, like we don't have that. And he was recognizing that and telling me how it is with all of them, that that's why we should leave them at home. And he should be the one that gets to ride to church. He tries to hustle me to come to church so he can like earn five bucks so he can get some more V-bucks. So I put him to work for stuff and he likes that. But he don't want them to come because they're always fighting or fussing. Anybody ever met somebody who's always fighting or fussing? <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. I think it's fair to say, though, at times our flesh can be competitive or prideful. The apostles here, they were fighting and fussing. They were indignant. They were salty. They were bitter. They were jealous. And they were God's first 12, and they were acting like this. So it's okay once in a while if you're human because even they fell to this behavior. But we become competitive, prideful, and very conscious of what the next person is doing that may infiltrate uh, our territory. And it's good to be aware in certain instances as we are protectors by nature. Like if someone's threatening my family, I'm going to be protective. But sometimes I don't need to know about everything going on. It's not my business. Even with what my kids are doing, sometimes I don't need to know what they're doing in Fortnite and why the thing's yellow versus red and what they're even saying. Is it even English, Nicole? I don't think so. I don't know what it is. And some, sometimes I just say, you know what, it's not for me. It's okay. I don't need to know. But we're very territorial as, as society, you know, Americans. However, when it comes to serving God, they were becoming territorial with their position in God's kingdom and starting to bicker about who would be the greatest and all this and who would sit on the left and who would sit on the right. God's promotion comes from God, though, and his plan for our life. And his, his plan, guess what? Yours is yours. Mine is mine. His is his, hers is hers. Look to your neighbor, tell him, yours is yours, and mine is mine. But the apostles weren't thinking like that. They're thinking, his is mine, and his is mine, and I want to be first, and I want to be the greatest, so I can, I can roll in the limo with Jesus when we go up to Starbucks or whatever. No, it doesn't work like that because God's promotion is unique. That's why we say discover God's perfect plan made just for you. If we left that off, it would be confusing because that's the mission. The mission is that you find your plan that God created just for you and no one else, and that is the blueprint of your life. And when you find that, you'll find joy like no other. You'll find this thing the Bible talks about called joy. It's not just a corny old person word in the Bible. It's actually the truth of what happens inside of you. It's sustaining, fulfilling joy. The beach trips are fun, but they're not sustaining joy. Love is. Family is. God is in our world. And so that's why we have to be 
aware that yours is yours and mine is mine when we're talking about the plan of God for our life. They're distinct. Distinct means separate and no two match. They're distinct. What we know from the text is that God does not discriminate and equally applies his love and grace and and purpose to all of us based on our faithfulness. And that faithfulness will lead us to kingdom greatness. If we leave selfish, I had to correct my my thought this morning because it said selfish for Jesus. It's good to be selfish for Jesus, which means you're really giving to everyone around you. I got to be careful how I say that. So what what I had to rephrase that is if we just continue to be selfish, period, we may find our tone changing to something less desirable than eventually, and eventually not even noticing that we are putting thorns into the gardens of those around us and even in our own soil because slowly your perspective will dull and change because of small talk chatter that you thought you were doing the Great Commission and all of a sudden you're battling Jesus like the apostles are here. He had to get them together. Even Peter, who, who preached the New Testament to the, to the Jews, he even, he even fought God on occasion out of misunderstanding. Remember when the devil was rebuked out of him. So are you fighting, fussing, or furthering your walk and the walk of those around you according to the will of God on your life? That's my question today. They had a what about me mindset. What about me, James and John? This is John the apostle who preached the the, the gospel of John. This is James, not the half-brother of Jesus. The other James, there was two of them. The sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, that's why they're referred to so we know who they are. They weren't the same two as we think, uh, not John the Baptist. And I love them, but they had a what about me. Even the mom had a what about me. What about my babies? You going to promote my babies to the left and the right of the throne when they get in heaven? You know, like that's even the mom was drinking the Kool-Aid, Mike, like she was missing the boat. And Jesus says, you don't even know what you're asking for. You don't even know what you're asking for. They were indignant. That's like frustrated. They were showing, uh, uh, excuse me, the, the, the definition The modern definition says feeling or showing anger or annoyance at what is perceived as unfair treatment. Has anybody ever felt indignant? I can tell you what, I can be the most faithful Christian. I'm going to have my days. Is anybody else not perfect in here? You're going to have your days. The key is recognizing when indignant needs to be thrown out the window because that's your flesh talking. Even Jesus got mad and tossed those money changer tables over, but then he you know, and he had good cause, but he didn't keep in, keep going that way. Anger is an emotion. Um, indignant is an emotion. What's, what's important is that we learn to seize the emotion and let, rea- uh, let wisdom take over through discernment. We all got emotions. It's just how we handle them is the difference. When you say that person's really got it together, it's because they know how to control their emotions under pressure because of discernment. When you see someone that's just a chicken with their head cut off in every situation, it's because they have no discernment. They don't know how to control their emotion. It's because they're acting in reaction instead of pausing and thinking through it. There's a big difference. One will lead to to sadness, uh, broken relationships, hurt that doesn't ever go away. Even when you say you're sorry, they won't forgive you. And one leads to a joyful life. 
It's through that discernment. And anger is just one of them. And jealousy is just one of them. And there, there are all these emotions we have. And we can tell ourselves why it's good that we have the what about me thing. It's fair. What about my fair share? Has anybody ever not gotten the promotion because someone else got it that's been there less time than you? Or has anybody come in new and you found out they were making a lot more than you? Has anybody ever worked in here and had that happen? Come on, somebody. Okay, now we're awake. Okay, good. You're just drooling about that barbecue. I know the pork's going to be good, Mike, but hopefully they can get some sermon today. Not just the pork. We got some good pork coming. Who likes pulled pork? Right. I worked really hard day in and day out. Now someone's taking that from me. I roamed with Jesus with no sandals in the gravel crossing this dang desert for how long? And now they're going to get promoted and I'm not, says the apostles. Eating fish. I quit my job. I was a fisherman. I quit. Uh, Matthew says I was a tax collector. John and James, they quit their job. I've been following Jesus. He better promote me or else. Jesus says, even if I wanted to, I can't because it only comes from the source. This is the flesh talking. This is the flesh talking. When he says, my father is the spirit that dwells in him is speaking through him. That means if God doesn't declare it for you, it wouldn't work anyway, even if we gave it to you. How many ever ask for something they're glad they didn't end up getting? Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Like, like you didn't know that was so heavy. It just looks shiny on the surface, but you didn't, you didn't plan out what it took to carry that thing. There's, a, there's, there's the shiny new part that always feel good to share, share it on social media, but the part after is the part that no one wants to talk about. That's when they, they drift silently. It's because God was waiting for a reason. He was patient for a reason because that's not what it was supposed to be, or it's not that yet. Are you getting this? Can I get an amen, somebody? All right. This TikTok culture, we want promotion and notoriety on everything, including stuff we're not called to. It's all about FaceTime. No pun intended, you Apple people. It's about FaceTime, the fruit, the promotion. That's all we teach with this saturation of self-elevating through the limelight of the social world, but we're, we're, we're asking God to promote us to something we don't even realize we, we will never want that. Sometimes it's something you would have never wanted if you really knew what it felt like because it looks shiny and good on the TV screen. If God put that in your lap, it may destroy your life. It may destroy your life. And so when God waits to promote you the way he designed to promote you. And maybe, maybe Peter, maybe John and James could be thinking about this tonight when they go to sleep on the boat. They could be thinking about, if God's going to promote me, I want it to be God's way, and so maybe this is not it. This is not it. I don't have to worry about it. And if it takes time, maybe that's a good thing. We had a friend of ours just start, I'm, I'm not knocking people for starting new things. For once in a while, I'd like to see someone get excited for something that they did that lasted. Not just because they started it, because they endured it, because that's where the work's at. Everybody can start the thing and get the pat on the back, but what are they doing when no one's looking? They're quitting half the time. So when you go in and you plow for Jesus and no one's looking, I want to hear about that story. 
That's what the world's starving to hear about. They say, you know what? No one even cared that I was doing this, and God, God blessed me through it. That's the kind of messages people need on social media. They need, they need to know about the outcome was great, not the start of it, because the start is always great and gets the pat on the back. And it's good to be encouraged, but, but what they need to hear is the triumphant um, f- follow-through of faithfulness because the world lacks faithfulness. The world lacks commitment. I was watching a thing. I won't even get into giving. I was watching another pastor this morning preach on giving. And it, well, I won't even go there. It's bad. It's bad. I'm like, okay, I get it. But, but the, world, the world doesn't understand that the journey of consistency is where the value is at. And that's when you're going to find this thing on the left or the right side of the throne. You can't just walk up and say, God, give it to me. Yeah, we're ready. You think you are. How do you know you are? How do you know you can handle what God only, God designed, you know? And so, so we, we should be thankful that God is holding it from us. We should be thankful that God is waiting to give it to us the right way because that's the same thing that got you in deep waters the first time, doing it your way. But God says, my way is like no other ways. There is no one beside me. So therefore, if you don't see it clear yet, it doesn't make sense, and it feels straight up mean, maybe God's saying that's okay because a good thing is coming. What they did is not fair. Don't worry about them. God's got your thing. God's got it. Look to your neighbor and say, he's got my thing. Say it like that. Thing. He's got my thing. You Missourians thing. My little Nashville comes out here and there. I had some grits this week. How, who am I like, how many like grits and collard greens? I'm the only Gwaltney who likes to embrace the southern because in Nashville, that's normal. And I, I, I learned to like the grits, like plain grits with just pepper. Most people won't do it. Give me the, give me the what, the hash browns. But uh, I like the grits. So and we had shrimp and grits. Just grits, all, grits are just heavenly. People want fruit. This is good. But they don't want to take the time to plant the tree that bears the fruit. Everybody wants the canned good version of the fruit where somebody did it for them. Everybody likes fruit, but nobody wants to plant the fruit tree and take the time to make sure it's watered correctly and that it don't get infiltrated by bacteria and all the things. So we're living in the world that just wants fruit, but they don't know how fruit's made. They're blind to it. They got to YouTube what fruit is because they've only seen it at, its, at, its, at, the, at, the, at the grand result when God is saying, if you get in there and start making something, I'm going to show you you can actually build something, and it's going to sustain you more than just the one piece you got from the neighbor. You can grow this thing through faithfulness. You can grow your own garden for God's kingdom. That's what we're doing here. We're growing what God planted, and God is watering, and we keep multiplying it, and then it becomes what's called an abundance. So as long as we keep worrying about the neighbor and what promotion they get in the kingdom and what side of Jesus they're going to be on, guess what? God don't have a face. He don't have hands. The only face of God you've seen is Jesus. Therefore, in heaven, it's not going to look like you think. God don't have hands, people. I'm going to sit on his right. He don't have hands. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a figurative speech to talk about authority. These shells are just a temporary thing. What lasts forever is what's inside. 
That's what you're going to see in heaven is what's inside. Don't judge too quick on what God's doing right now. I can preach to myself here. Some of the greatest moments in my life were some of the worst feelings that I had never embraced yet. It was a first. Horrible stuff. Horrible. I said, oh, this can't be right. It opened the door for the biggest change, the biggest growth, the biggest opportunity. You can stay complacent and get by, but you can stay miserable too. Or you can be free of that junk, and you can grow out of it, and you can find real fulfillment that the preacher always talks about, but I've never actually felt it, someone says. You can feel it too. It's for everybody, because what's for yours is yours, and what's mine is mine, and therefore no one can take what God has for you. Insert name in the brackets. Are you fighting? Fussing? or furthering, pushing it forward. What do we do? Camilla says, uh-oh. Camilla, you're good. Jesus is going to talk about you and Luke here in a minute, but we're not there yet, so just, just, just hold up. Adjust my view is what I got to do. When you're faithful, you seriously stop worrying about everybody else. It doesn't even cross your mind anymore. We used to have these conversations amongst my peers, and this was years ago, and the old conversations kept coming back up, and there was a point I said, I, I outgrew that. I literally don't even think about that no more. Like, I don't even think about it. I even say, hey, what we're doing is on another level. It don't even matter. It's in the rearview mirror. I don't even see them. I don't even see them. I don't even think to look for them no more. That's what faithfulness does. You don't have to worry about it because it's not a part of your plan. That's why when you're, when you're faithful, you quit worrying about what's fair. And you actually get excited for people to prosper. You get excited for everybody to get the thing that God designed for them. You no longer feel like they took it from you. You want them to have it. I got people that burned me really good when we started the church. You know what I do now? They're reaching out to me saying, hey, how'd you do this? I said, let me show you. Let me show you. If you need any help, give me a call. I'm dead serious. I got people that were so cruel in the beginning, and now they're reaching back out saying, well, how did you do this? I said faithfulness, dedication, authenticity, transparency, candidness, the real deal, baby, faithfulness. That's what we do. I don't care what's fair because it it's not applicable to me. I care what God has for my family and my life. Let me do that right. That's all that matters. And that's really cool because when you have those moments with people, when you, when you were once James and John and then you you, you grew past it spiritually, and then you run across someone else who's now James and John, and then you start blessing them back when they were stingy to you, when they were the ones indignant to you, and you start blessing them back, guess what they do? They leave with revelation. They leave now going, well, he didn't treat me bad no more. Like, well, this don't feel right. You know, like when someone won't argue with you? They just insist on walking away and loving you, and, and you can't, you just don't like it. They won't argue back. When you can withhold that, they leave the conversation a new person. It bothers their, their flesh because God starts working on their heart when we respond like that. And those are some of the most joyful moments you will find in your life. One time, I got fired from a job, and I was so mad 
at the, the CTO. And at the time, I thought, you know, it was all personal. I was very immature. I took it all personal. When you're in IT, they just walk you out on the spot. It's very cold. They don't even, you don't get your things, nothing. It's like you're going to prison, except you're, you're going outside the door. And so I would take it very personally. And this happened twice in my, my work career. One time I wrote the guy an email that I, 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 I embarrassed to say, uh, in hindsight, what it said. But I was in my 20s, and I just let him have it. And then, and then the second time, uh, I thought, man, I invested all this time in your company while you're all getting all the money, paying the bills, and we're sitting here working for y'all, and we're just, now you're letting me go after I invested all this time. That's what my flesh said. It ended up being the biggest turning point in my life with, with, with our, other, you know, with our, with our, our, our endeavors and our, our business life and all those things. It ended up being the biggest turning window of our life. And I kid you not, I have almost 10 times over the last 15 years looked that guy up to say, thank you so much for firing me. It was the greatest moment of my fleshly life. Thank you. Because if you hadn't have done that, I would have never got to where God was taking me with my, my purpose, my potential, my passions, my dreams, my aspirations, because I was living under the umbrella of someone else's vision. Is this making sense? This isn't just for visionaries. This is for God's people. And so you can be complacent under the other church folk who fight and fuss all the time, and you can live your church life that way. Or you can say, I don't want to be part of a church like that. I want to be a disciple who walked the shores with Christ. I want to be, be a purist with this thing. Because I just don't think that's what it was supposed to be. And so when you have that, God will do it. God will do it. You got to adjust your view. It's a heads down mindset, nose to the grind for Jesus that starts letting you see his people all the time unconditionally. You start walking on water, baby. You start, you start, I know, I know we talk about, my dad's going to, well, the salt. The salt is good in the Dead Sea or whatever, wherever, wherever Peter was walking. But when he walked, he walked on water. He walks. So if we if we 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 like to you know talk about like some of the the way God this is not a cut this is like uh, this is just the conversations we have like we'll talk about some of the ways God will take something very practical like with science and use it to perform miracles. It doesn't take away from the miracle. So for example, what I'm getting at is like the water. And the Dead Sea is extremely salty. It's buoyant. And so you float a lot easier. And so there's like little elements like that that God can use and God put there. So we always make the joke about, you know, when Peter walked on the water. But when Peter really walked on the water, if it wasn't really him walking on water, he wouldn't have sank out of fear. Because he lived there. He knows, he knows what the water could do, and that was not normal. So if you want to walk on the water for real, you want to get to that kind of faith, you got to quit thinking about everybody else's business. Getting it? Are we getting it? Amen. Good. Can you tell I had a week off? I felt really funny last week. It was just me and sand. Like, what do I do? And Camilla was there. All right, there was others there. I'm kidding. Look at verse 27 and 28 again real quick. And whoever wants to be first, this sounds horrible, must be your slave or must be last. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. We know that in order to be the greatest, we have to put ourselves last scripturally. 
It doesn't mean you let everybody walk on you, treat you like dirt. It means you laugh it off, go to the next house. Remember when they were doing the Great Commission, they had to go on to the next house because they weren't getting it? That's what we got to do. We got to brush it off and go on to the next house because to be last is to be first. I want to be first in the kingdom. I don't want to be first at Chick-fil-A. They're fast enough for me. I can afford to be last in the line for five minutes. He's willing to let people go ahead at Chick-fil-A? What kind of Christian is this? And they're a Christian organization. You're supposed to button line at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I'm just teasing y'all. You do what you want. If you go on button line, just say Jesus, you know, make sure God told you to do it. And it's, it's a mission. It's a missionary trip. That's a servant mind, though, is to be last. It's a mindset. It puts the focus on him and allows them to do them. Like, you know what small talk is? Like, they won't say it in front of you. They say it when you walk away. And it's just, the Bible calls it mindless chatter. It's not aggressive. It's not even mean. But it's planting little seeds. Someone, someone playing Frisbee with the offering or something today. <laughs> just kidding. I don't know, there's like a tambourine. Stop small-talking their purpose. Is anybody guilty of this? Can we be real? I've done it. I've done it. What, what, let, me, let me bring that into focus. When I'm sitting somewhere and someone's telling me about something they're doing that I think is maybe a stretch, the first thing I do is start telling everybody why that'll never work. That is small-talking their purpose. How do you know? Are you God? No. Last time I checked, we aren't God. We're God's people. And so when we do that, we become indignant with gentle, silent words. That is what indignant means here. They were, can you believe it? I just, I can't believe it. James and John hit their own mom. They got their mom. Oh, James and John's mom's here. They said, can they be first? I want to be first, but, you know, I'm not going to say nothing because I'm just going to hold the bitterness inside and get salty, and now I'm going to derail my own walk with God because I never said anything. I never asked God to clarify, help me understand. I just, I just held it in. That's small talking someone's purpose. And guess who it's hurting the most? You. You. Mindless chatter. There's, there's no roots behind it. It's mindless. There's no mind or thought in it. And the good news is they did that. We do that. But God's aware of it and told us how to get around that by adjusting our view. And that's by not worrying about fairness. That's by not worrying about them. <clears throat> it's about just being joyful that God has something for you. And whatever it looks like, it will come. It will come even when it doesn't seem real, even when it doesn't make sense to you. The greatest things, Chris, the greatest things that God does will never make sense with our flesh because we're sensual people. God works in the spirit. So if we ever try to put our senses around the great things God does, we're going to leave empty-handed going, I don't believe this. But when God's spirit touches you, and the power of God starts flowing through you, you learn to see and hear in spirit. And therefore, the senses no longer have to make sense because you're no longer using them to discern what God is doing. And that's the difference between the church and the seeker. 
That's the difference between the saved and the lost. That's the difference between feeling God and God being in you and breathing through you. That's the difference. Is somebody getting this? So when you want to hear from God, tell him to show you even when it don't make sense. Because he'll break you down and show you when it don't make sense that he's still there when everybody else isn't. And I'm thankful for that because I've been in a lot of trenches when no one else was there. And that's when God got my attention the most. Has somebody else ever been in a trench before and no one's there? It's the middle of the night. No one's even on their phone to check email or text. But I've, I've been in that trench before, says somebody, and God was still there. I remember God's promise. He said, I'll never leave if you let me stay by you. Don't kick him out. Where'd he go? You kicked him out. Quit kicking him out. Let him stay by you. How do we get our faith to that place? Let's go to Luke. How do we get our faith to Camilla's mindset? Chapter 9, verse 44 through 48. This is another time they're doing it again. How many times do they got to do it again and get salty? And Jesus is like, oh, why was I not with you? How many times do I got to say? How many, I, th I thought I was crazy as a preacher. I'm like, how many times have I preached that? And they still do this or that. And even Jesus says, I've been with you, and you still don't believe. So that makes us as humans feel better, right? And so, so this is another time they're starting to grumble. And Jesus says, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them. It means they didn't have the revelation yet. So that they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to even ask about it. Remember when I said, you feel that, but you don't speak up? And said, you harbor it, you become salty, and you just carry on your way, playing this broken story in your mind that was never true to begin with. Has anybody done that before? When if you just asked, man, there's times where I was, too, I was too embarrassed to ask, but because I asked, I could have saved myself a lot of stress because I was way off course. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Again, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name, amen, Camilla, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. This is flesh referring to the spirit, father as source. For it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest. So let's recap that. Unless he took the little child. He said, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. It is the one who is least among you, Camilla, is who is the greatest. He's on our tablet. It was the one who is least among you who is the greatest is the child. Because the child's faith is why. It's not because they're a child. It's because their faith is as of a child. And there's a reason you can go on YouTube and you can look up some third world countries with these kids worshiping God like you've never seen in waves of thousands of people. Because, because the faith of a child is pure and uncontaminated and without flaw, and so as we get older, we put our own theology in there, our own ideals, our own uh, uh, excuses, and we no longer keep the faith 
of a child. So he had to get them together and remind them that if you want to sit on my left, if you want to sit on my right, you got to get down to Amaya's height. You got to get down to her understanding of faithfulness. She knows God is good. She knows it don't matter. God is good. God loves me. That's, that's what faith is. It's blind to anything that's adversity to her faithfulness. It's blind to it because all she knows is God loves her no matter what. God will be there for me no matter what. It doesn't matter. That's what a child's faith will do. Amen, somebody? Come on, if you're getting this, just clap your hands. Let me know there's a pulse in here that God's doing something. If y'all can stand, I want to touch a couple more items here as y'all stand in closing. You got to reduce yourself to that. You got to reduce yourself to that. What's that? The child mindset. If you lose the child in you, you lose the faith. If you become an expert in what you know, you become a, a Pharisee, which Jesus condemned. If you're all flashy, but there's no childlike faith, you're a Pharisee, not a follower. We don't want to be that. Jesus made it clear that is not gospel. That's why he rebuked the law and brought the new covenant, the new contract with man, because that thing isn't working. Never, never did, never will. Reduce yourself to that. Look to your neighbor and tell him, reduce yourself to that. We can ask God in those situations. They didn't. They held it back for a season until he finally exploited them out of their ignorance and told them, you may not want to hear this, but to be the greatest, you got to be the least. But we can ask God anytime we want in prayer, in worship, in the car. We can ask God to show us, and if he doesn't respond right away and it doesn't really feel like he's answering, just trust that he's doing something. Because if you reduce yourself to that, You'll know he heard you. Why you keep asking over and over? He heard you. I, I, never forgot, I never forgot something my dad told me once. He said, you don't have to keep asking him for that. You asked him. He heard you. And he said he, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek. He, he won't give you a rock if you, if you ask for bread. So, so why would God do a, a, a loop-de-loo on what you're asking? Trust that he's got it. And if it's not the way it looks, that's okay because that means you don't want it. And I never forgot that. And I still, I still preach that because that, that makes sense in my spirit. We trust like a child because faith trusts when it doesn't understand. Now I got you here. I said, I said faith trusts when it doesn't understand. That means if it doesn't trust when it doesn't understand, guess what it's not? It's not faith. <laughs> well, I thought I was faithful. If you're not trusting God, that's not faith. That's doubt. You're going to have those moments of doubt. you got to pluck them back out and keep tilling the garden, even when it doesn't make sense. Trust it. We were on this trip, and I saw some things, Chris, that I'd never seen before with my family. And I don't know how to explain it to you all, but there's some things I can't stop, I can't control. And uh, it takes a moment to, to pull yourself out of the rhythm to reflect, right? That's why people go to the beach and do stuff. It's because they're not distracted. But there's a few things left in my life that I know I can't control. <laughs> I feel like I can, but there's a couple things I know I can't. And I'm having a hard time with that because I can't fix it. I can't stop it. And I'll tell you what, there is nothing greater to know you can finally just say it's okay. 
because God, God's aware. He's, he's aware. He built it this way. Why did he build it this way? I don't think it's fair that my children should grow up and become adults and no longer be little babies and do this and do that. And my parents and the beach and my family and all these things, I don't think it's fair. It's just, that's not faith. Reduce yourself to that. When you see those things, just step back and go, God understands. God allowed it. God's blessing it. God's got it. I don't have to hold that because I believe in God's promise. I believe there's a place bigger than this world in God's promise. So when they leave you, just know you can find them later, just not here. You can find them again. This is a temporary stop. It's hard to think in the spirit when you're consumed by the flesh. So like me, when I run, 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 and I'm just thinking about all the grind of things, I forget to rely on the Spirit sometimes. And that's when I remember, man, I am so dead without God in this formula. And he's, he's just got to show you that. And he'll keep reminding you of that. And no matter how faithful you be, he'll keep reminding you of that. No matter what life throws your way, he'll keep reminding you of that. And that's the good part, is that in the end, he's there with you. In the end, he's with you. He's always with you. He never left you. He's by the beach, and he's in the church. He's in the building. He's in the car. He's in the job. He's on the desert. He's everywhere. He can't separate him from you, and I'm thankful for that. If we could bow our heads and close in prayer, I just want to pray something over you all today and myself. God, we pray as we grow stronger in our walk that we grow dumber in our intelligence. That we quit holding on to what we know in the world and just hold on to what is eternal. And that's your promise. That's your love. That's your never-ending existence. You're, you're, you, can't be, you can't have the door closed on you because you are the door. You are the alpha. You are the omega there is no end to you in eternity. And so, God, I pray that each person in here that's going through something different, that they, they don't think it makes sense, and they're getting a little bitter right now. They're getting a little indignant with their neighbors because, because they've been doing it right, but yet their neighbor's been doing it wrong, and their neighbor's getting blessed, and they're not. Can you please help us, Lord, remind us that we don't need to worry about fairness because we're faithful. You got what's fair for us. They can never take what's for us. They can never take what you've planned for, for our life. And, and so we can always be grateful, no matter what comes our way, that you have what's best for us. We thank you now, God. We, we close in this worship. We sing praises of worship. We sing lyrics that are, that are life-giving, spirit-bearing prayers coming to life through our mouths into the air, and we glorify your name with these words because your words are life and life-giving. So when we worship with them, things happen. And so we pray right now that just prayer roots on someone's heart. And we pray right now that the conversations after church root on someone's heart. And we pray right now that the lyrics to these songs become life and root on someone's heart. And if everybody could say with adoration and glory in Jesus' name, amen.